great coaching is definitely not cheap. Yeah. But it's the best investment that you can make because to me, I was like, all right, I'm putting money into this, but I'm going to get my ROI over here physically, spiritually, mentally, and financially. Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. This is the podcast for average people who want to achieve above average results, live above average lives, and do above average things. And with me today, I have a very average guy who is constantly, and that's a compliment by the way, achieving above average things. Now with me, he's been on the podcast before, he's back once again, the video man himself, Brandon Clark. Oh, I should have went. Oh, wait, never mind. I saw drums and I thought that was a drum roll. (laughs) You get that wrong every time. I know. I got it. I'm going to change all these buttons. I want to get the, have you ever watched Seinfeld? Are you a Seinfeld fan at all? I've I've seen a few episodes. You wouldn't happen to have seen the Marv Griffin show episode, have you? Where Kramer converts his whole entire apartment into a, like the studio of a game show. I should probably check it out. The one does not ring up. No, it's hilarious. And, uh, he like Jerry comes over some, like his friends will walk into his apartment and then he like hits the, the music and he's like, Jerry, welcome to the show. And like, he can't not talk as if he's hosting an eighties talk show. It's dude. It's absolutely hilarious, but I want to get like a game show sound effect on the board. I feel like that would be really cool. Cause right now we just got some random and we got the disappointment. <laughs> Studio laughter. We got some birds in there Wait, somewhere. Hit that, hit that one again. This one? <laughs> That's how I feel about your whole story you just said. Oh, thanks, bro. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. And I think this is, uh, it's funny because I'm always like, oh, this will be cool. We'll do a Q&A and like, you'll help me get through the question. And then I'm like, no, nah, I got way, way better stuff that we can dive into and talk about. And there's a few aspects like one, we were going to dive into the trainer talk, right? Like the thing that for whatever reason people get offended by, um, which is trainers, you should be fit as well. And people seem to get worked up when I say that on social media, but I also want to talk about some of the commonalities between the most successful clients with their transformations. And I think that there's, there's a string of aspects that you can correlate between every single person when they're going through a very successful period of time during their fat loss phase or their transformation, whatever it may be. And some of those you've gone through, some of those you've probably had times where you kind of let slip and then your results slip because of it. I've done the same. Our clients have done the same. So I want to talk about those. I think people can get a lot out of both of these conversations simply because there's me who they listen to talk about this often, but then there's you who is a, an actual client of ours going through the journey. And that's a very, rel- uh, like for people to hear that, they'll be able to relate to it a lot, right? And it's it's basically, I don't know why they say uh, from the horse's mouth. It's very weird. You're just really lining up some great compliments for me right now. Yeah. I mean, dude, <laughs> I think about these analogies way too often. Like, why is that a saying? But you're the horse's mouth in this case. Um, and I think that's super helpful, but after the conversation we just had in the office as well, there's one more thing I want to talk about. And I think I actually want to ask you this question to start because it's a question that I've asked every person on my staff and, uh, all my coaches. And there's a reason why I've asked them this there. I've been asked this when chasing my own purpose 
with the business and creating what we call the purpose charter, but essentially core values and such, and really define like determining like what you're trying to do in life, you know, what matters to you. But the conversation we were just having over there made me want to ask you, and I think it'll kind of translate into what we'll talk about today with those other two topics. And that the question is, what is one thing in today's world that you get passionately worked up about? And when I mean passionately worked up about, I mean, it bothers you, like it triggers you and it doesn't trigger you in the way where I say trainers, you should be fit and they're not fit. So they get triggered, but it triggers you in the way that it matters so much to you that you can't not focus on it. You can't not pour energy into it. You can't not try to create change within it. Like what is something inside today's world that you feel needs to change and that you get passionately worked up about? If that question doesn't make sense or it's hard let me know and I can kind of give you my answer as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm not, not, I'm trying to remember what we were talking about in there. Your dad. That correlates. We were talking about your dad and I could see that you were getting, we, I mean, we've talked about oh, yeah. that topic multiple times. So in the reason, so for example, the reason this relates to, especially in business, and this can actually help one person find their, their purpose behind what they do. Like if somebody is like, Oh, like what's your purpose for running Taylor coach method? It's not like, cause I want to reveal more abs around the world than ever before. Like fat loss isn't the purpose. Fat loss is the vehicle. That's what I'm an expert in, but it's not like my purpose. You know what I mean? To me, what really works me up is people not taking control of things that they can cont- take control of. Right. This is why I'm so big on extreme ownership and stewardship of like, oh, there's a piece of trash where I got to pick it up. Because if I don't pick it up, I'll remember that I had the capability of picking it up and I didn't. I chose not to, which is a sign of laziness. It's a sign of lack of discipline. It's a sign of literally not taking an opportunity or taking action when I have full control and power of doing so. So when I see somebody not improving their health primarily, not taking care of themselves, not starting a business, not taking action, not having a hard conversation, not trying to grow. Like that's the worst for me. If I see somebody who desperately needs to personally develop and they're just not doing shit, it drives me nuts. And this isn't like a put people down statement. It's like, please let me help you. Like I will do anything to try to help this person because I know that they can take action to move forward, but they're not. And it drives me absolutely crazy. So like the ability to take action or I I guess I should say people's lack of taking action when they have the ability to take action is what drives me crazy. And I think there's too many people in today's world that are just not doing anything, even though they can absolutely do quite a bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm definitely following you now. I, and that determines the purpose behind tailored coach method is what I was getting at because we help average people take control of their lives, achieve above average results, that whole thing. Right. And it's because all these people, they need somebody to lend them a hand, push them, create discipline and get them to do the work because they're letting themselves believe that they don't know how to, or that they can't. I guess let me ask you a question on this. So, so like what we were talking about there makes sense. And, and to, to put it into context, my, uh, my dad's 75 years old, you know, his health is declining. And I also look at Pete Carroll, who's the former Seahawks coach as of yesterday, and, um, Warmer as of yesterday? As of yesterday. Oh, I didn't know that. And he's also 75 years old, running up and down the football field, hitting guys, throwing footballs. And I'm like, man, there's a, there's a really stark contrast here. And then in the gym I go to, there's an 85-year-old man 
that gets on the treadmill every day next to me. We have a little conversation. Sometimes we hang out in the sun and, and I ask him for, you know, advice on what it's like being older. And yeah. Can I seek wisdom from him and all this stuff? And I asked him, I asked the 85 year old one day, I said, what literally keeps you coming to the gym every day? Like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. not to be disrespectful, but you're up there in age. And he's yep. like, because I'd rather be the oldest person in the gym than the youngest person in the nursing home. Mm. And I was like, damn, that's deep. And um, and so I, I look at my dad, but I, I like what frustrates me, though, is like, I don't know how you guys deal with this as coaches when you see this stuff. Cause like it, it triggers me. It makes me legit angry because my dad growing up was like the badass. Like he was into dirt bikes. He was into skiing. He was into caving or what people call spelunking, you know, rock climbing, like just all this super gnarly oh, okay. stuff. I was like, both of those went right over. Yeah. My, my, my dad was, my dad was in the 101st airborne division in the army and jumped out of helicopters and airplanes. Like oh, shit. he I was, know that. Uh, yeah, he was a badass. And, um, a super awesome water skier that actually at the age of 17, he hit a sandbar and broke his neck. So he does live in a lot of pain because of all these things nowadays. But what sucks for me is I see this and I see my, my hero that got me into all these things. And I just see him kind of just hanging out, essentially waiting around to die. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. And I don't, and, and I don't understand how you, how you can motivate somebody to want to get the help mm-hmm. because from what I see is it's so simple. Like even when you start a workout program, even when I started working out with you guys and in other previous coaches I've worked with and anytime I've taken time off from quote unquote, trying to get fit and putting on weight, just sitting around like during the pandemic, I actually threw my, my back out from doing nothing like just literally laying on the couch and watching movies for a week straight or that two whole flat in the curve BS. Mm-hmm. I went to grab a block of cheese in the grocery store and my back gave out and I had to ask this older woman like, Hey, can you put that in my basket, please? I can't stand up. And so like, I know what sitting around does. I know how much pain you're in the first time you, you re-enter the gym or you enter the gym for the first time. And like, my mom and I have these conversations all the time. I'm like, man, if he would just like walk down the hallway to get started or, or, um, you know, just go to the gym and sit on the recumbent bike and just move your legs for yeah. a half hour. Heck, even just walk into the gym, go sit in the sauna and walk out the distance from your car to go to the sauna is further than you walk most of the time at any given time of the day. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but the conversation always ends with like, when I have this conversation with my dad is, well, I'm in so much pain when I do that. And I'm like, yeah, but buddy, the, the pain that you go through in that first couple of weeks kind of is oftentimes gnarlier than the pain that you're living in. Yeah. But once you get beyond that, like, I mean, my knee's garbage. I've had three knee surgeries on my knee. Other podcasts, I mentioned how I have arthritis. I was told I needed to lose a bunch of weight because I have to get my knee replaced. That's part of one of my um, motivations to to go on this journey. But the reality is, is like, I just hex barred, trap bar, hex bar. Are they the same I, thing? Yeah. Okay. I call them trap bar. Okay. But yeah. But I was doing that yesterday and I was, I was pushing, um, 
I was pushing, th- I don't know, I was, I was up over 300 pounds on it. And yeah, I think I was like 365. Three plates and a 25? Any side? Well, so because that thing takes like seven hours to set up, I put 45s and then I just kept adding and, um, until I got yeah. to the end. But when I was done, it should have been, yeah, three plates. Yeah. Heavy. It was, point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's heavy. I did, I did like uh, five reps with it for my last set, which was, which was awesome. And I was like, man, like I'm activating my butt. I'm activating my quads. I'm activating my hamstrings, my knees, not taking as much as a significant load. Then I moved on from that and went and did, um, what's the one we always make the video on where you put your leg up and you do oh, a gain split squat. That's the one. Oh yeah. Just, just I hate those, but oh, yeah. I totally drew a blink, but I did those. And I was like, man, I have no knee pain right now. This yeah. is incredible. Like I'm down like fluctuating between 80 and 85 pounds down. And I'm like, man, my knee feels great. Like how long can I actually keep pushing this out mm-hmm. to where maybe the only reason I get this is because of the limited range of motion I have, but the right. actual f- physical pain from not carrying that weight around is so, so much better. And so I look at my dad and I'm like, man, if you could just like stop taking 60 to 70 pills a day to fix this and it causes that. And then you got to take these seven to fix that one thing. I'm like, how much better would you be? How much longer could you live? How much more would you enjoy life? Like my mom's a, they're both retired, but my mom's a travel agent and they travel all around the world, but it's getting harder and harder and harder for him to go. And every time that they go through the airport, he's got to get in a wheelchair. But then you know what happens when you get in a wheelchair? You don't have to get pre-check. You don't have to get global entry. So now you get to bypass all these things. So now we're using the wheelchair as a crutch to do all these things, but now it's also making the whole trip suck. Yeah. When they start like uh, rewarding you with convenience, there's an easier ability to accept where you're at because you're getting that. And just for people listening, he's overweight as well. Like You haven't actually mentioned that. You just talked about injuries and stuff, but being overweight is what's stopping him from being able to fix some of this stuff. Correct. For absolutely. Yeah. So I'm about five foot seven, uh, 200 and uh, I think 282 pounds is what I weighed in this morning. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm still up there like 30% body fat. Like I'm carrying a, a lot of weight around still, but I was up at 360 pounds. Yeah. So it's, um, is he similar? Cause that's who I was talking about. Um, oh, uh, well, I'm adopted fun fact randomly, Oh, but no, he's about six foot. He's lighter than me, but all his weight for the most part's all around his midsection, which isn't healthy. Cause that's all going to be around the organs and yeah. such. So every, everything from the waist up is where he carries it all. So, but it's, but also just from a standpoint, like, I don't know where I was. This is, you were, you were kind of asking like how we deal with people that are like that essentially is what you started with. Like, you don't yeah. know how we do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, cause I know for me, I had to mentally get to a place where I was like, all right, I'm fucking over this. Mm-hmm. What, what am I to do? Well, so, and that's where like, and so for, for us being the trainers, you know, and the coaches here at TCM, like we get your dad once he's made that breakthrough, once he's made, he's reached that mental point which for some people they do, some people they don't. So like for me, there's like two two sides of this like whole entire scenario situation. 
There's the side that relates to like what passionately works me up. And that's that I see people in public. I, I talk to people like you who have family, who have relatives, who have people like that. You're the opposite of what tr- like tr- gives me that trigger, but you have people you care about who are the exact person that triggers me, right? And so to me, it's like, how can I create more content? How can I influence people like you that are working with us? How can I do more and more and more of that? People who are already in this environment or atmosphere accepting the changes they need to make so that it slowly bleeds into the community who has no hasn't accepted yet, right? And sometimes it does rub off until they finally make that breakthrough and then they reach out to us. When they reach out to us, they're ready for the idea of change, but they're not ready for the actions that are associated with change. It's difficult for us to get them to do those actions, but it's a lot easier once we know they want to make those changes. And the problem with people like your dad, and this is the problem with most people who just don't take action on what they want, is that they can't understand or fathom what the result actually looks like. It's it's not a real thing to them yet, right? Because they've never seen it. So for me to say to your dad what he could feel, what he could see, what he could be is irrelevant because I don't understand him. I'm not six foot. I'm not as heavy as him. I'm not going through the weight issues that he's going through, the 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 pain. So he's going to disregard that, right? It's the same reason why, like, and I've talked about this, it's the exact same reason why, like, my daughter said she she hates pizza. And I'm like, well, you never, you never tried pizza. No, I hate it. I hate it, dad. And then I had to, like, bribe her with, like, a dollar. She tried it. Now she loves pizza, wants to have it every night. Why? Because once she tasted it, she realized the result behind pizza. It's amazing. And now she wants it all the time. So there, he's stuck behind that layer of taking action because on the other side of action is pain. But on the other side of pain, which is blocked by pain, he can't see this side. On the other side of pain is the pleasure he seeks and that he wants. He just doesn't know it really exists because he has no proof of concept right now. The only proof of concept he has is if I try that, it's going to hurt. And that's his reality, you know, and that's a hard breakthrough to make. I think that's what's okay. So this, this brings out another point I had with, um, with my coach, coach Brandon this morning, which was I'm, I'm in a, a full season of change right now. So I've switched careers. I've moved on from friend groups. Like I've, I've just, I just got a lot going on. Yeah. And within that, like my, in this transitional phase, just like anytime you move or do anything like your finances get relatively thin. Right. So we had a legitimate conversation for a while about whether or not I should take a break from coaching or, or, you know, to, to save some money or whatnot. And we kind of like looked at each other and FaceTime in this kind of awkward silence for a minute. And I just said, no, I can't do that because here's what's so powerful about working out. And this is why coaching is so important to me. Is because everything, like you always talk about doing the hard thing. You always talk about setting standards. You always talk about discipline, all these things. For me, I hate waking up at 4 a.m., but I love waking up at 4 a.m. Because if I wake up at 4 a.m., I'm going to go to the gym at 5 a.m. I'm going to work out somewhere between 5.30 and 6. I'll actually wake up and come to life. I will finish my workout. I spend probably two hours in the gym, two and a half hours by the time I sauna, shower and leave. It's not, it's not for everybody to easily go home after working out, but I just, this is like my meditation time for me as well. Right. Excuse me. So for me, the coaching aspect of it and getting my body right and pushing myself in the gym then brings 
like the endorphins and everything to my body. So I feel good. I feel confident. That then trickles into relationships. It trickles into my job and like putting, pushing myself out of the, out of my comfort zone. The fact that I've been able to go from really just nobody showing up at a random supercross race to help out a guy for free to suddenly like making connections. And now I have connections with publications and all these people that are now pulling for me and fighting for me to get opportunities outside of just shooting riders, but like in the actual motocross dirt bike media, yeah, like that's pretty cool to me. And that wouldn't happen if I didn't have this confidence, if I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin, if I didn't push myself to where that's no longer the difficult thing is to have that conversation with a stranger, someone I look up to or whatever. So ultimately I trickle back and I was like, look, this is to, to me. And this is what I really want people to understand too, is that like coaching's not cheap and good, great coaching is definitely not cheap. Yeah. But it's the best investment that you can make because to me, I was like, all right, I'm putting money into this, but I'm going to get my ROI over here uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, and financially. Yep. And so I just, I, I think that, yeah, when we, when we sat there and just stared at each other, I was like, no, I, I have to do this. I'll figure out a way because it's going to pay dividends over here. Yeah. It's a uh, same thing. I had a, I, I shared this on my story this morning, actually, one of my clients on their update basically said, cause she shout out to Bennett. She works with me and I work with her husband. Her husband was working with me and then she jumped on board and she was like, I didn't think I needed coaching. And I was like dancing on the line for a while. And I finally decided like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And basically listed all the reasons why it's already changed her life. And she can't wait for 2024. And we, it's only been a couple months, like she yeah. not even a couple months, actually it's only been like a month and a half because she started making all these changes that she subconsciously knew she needed to make, but she was too afraid to make them or she just wasn't taking action on them or maybe didn't know how to take action on them, whatever it may be. And it's like, what you just said is why I've been in the fitness industry for 13 years now. Right. And pursuing the same goal for 13 years straight, which is kind of crazy to think about, but I learned along the way that the most fulfilling thing is seeing what you're talking about. It's seeing people thrive in other areas of their life, but the catalyst to it happening was fitness, right? Because you got in shape and because you started training and because you built willpower, discipline, confidence, energy, motivation, all these things through the act of going to the gym bright and early, being around other people, training your body, dieting, meal planning, losing weight, all these things. And then health obviously improves. All of these things on the fitness and nutrition side led to yourself growing in all these other areas. And now opportunities are opening, doors are opening, you're being able to do more things. And it's all because of the catalyst of fitness, right? That's what keeps me going with it. Because again, what makes me triggered is when people aren't, they don't believe in themselves enough to just try and just take action, or they're afraid of the pain that is associated with taking action because it hurts in any way you can think about it, right? Like I, I shared this, I wrote, I wrote it as a quote in my story, but it was a really good saying. And it basically said like, you can either quit or you can take action or try harder. Both are going to hurt. Just remember that. And it's like, damn, really think about that. If I take action right now, if I try harder, if I do the thing, it's going to hurt in some way or another. I'm either going to get uncomfortable. There's going to be the pain associated with training. There's going to be the pain associated with some sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice everything to lose weight, but 
you get the point, right? There's stress involved and stuff. But then there's this other pain that's associated with quitting, failing, not trying, regret, always wondering what if, dying early, whatever it may be. Like thinking about like, even for you, it's like, man, like go back and be like, I never started my fitness journey. Where would you be today? You know, usually the answer for most people is either going to be worse off or exactly where they were, which is no better. You want to know something wild? I just thought of this. So the way you just explained that is a lot of people don't want to do things because it's a delayed gratification. Right. But if you push hard right now, that pain is instant. Like it's right now. You're going through that pain immediately. If you stop, that pain that you'll experience is a delayed pain that you will feel later. So you don't want to do the the hard thing or the difficult thing. You don't want to push through the pain in the moment, but that pain is going to come later and it's going to hit you 10 times worse. Oh yeah. And so it's weird because people don't want to delay gratification when it's good, but they're willing to delay gratification mm-hmm. when it sucks. Yeah. It's so true. I think it's because it's, I don't think people fathom that. I don't think they actually comprehend that being the case. And I, and I think like I said, gratification, but that translates to the the pain. So I think that if people could look at every situation, did you ever get into Tony Robbins stuff? Mm -mm. So he talks about pain and pleasure all the time, right? Every pain and everything has a pain and a pleasure associated with it. So for you waking up at 4am, like there's obviously, you know, you're waking up, you're going to the gym, you're pushing your body. It's uncomfortable. There's a pain associated with that, right? Pleasure associated with that is the endorphins. It's the confidence. It's the losing weight. It's the health. Um, on the flip side, sleeping in is a pleasure. But the pain associated with that is not improving yourself, not getting healthier, not working out, not doing all these things, right? So that everything has a pain of pleasure. If you're going to start your fitness journey, there is scheduling your workouts. There's investing in a trainer. There's meal prepping. These are all pains, but the pleasure is the result and all the things that come with it vice versa, right? So there's all these pain and pleasures. If people could associate the two in every situation, I think it'd be a lot easier for them to commit or make any type of decision because they could see why they do or do not want to do something. They could see the outcome that's going to happen from it, whether it's long-term or short-term. But again, even like, even with your dad, delayed gratification, it's not going to happen to him right away. The result's not going to be like instant, right? And I've battled this with people. I've battled with people who they come on board and and, and if you, if you really think about it, this is a tough pill for people to swallow because it's a lot of money. They coach for six months straight without getting a single result. And it's because they're unwilling to commit. And for six months straight, we're working on the mental side of things, trying to get them to commit, trying to get them to stay consistent, trying to get them to go all in on themselves, believe in themselves, trying to be totally honest with me instead of leaving stuff out of their check-ins. And then at some point in time, things finally click, whether it was something I finally said. And for some people, it's, it doesn't take any time at all. They have this moment before they sign up. Some people it takes a couple of weeks. Some people it's a few months, but like when they finally commit, everything changes. They get results. It starts spinning, going faster. And it's because something in their brain just finally shifted and they were finally able to just lock in and just fully commit to the process. And one of the things I was talking to one of my clients on the phone with today, because we're getting ready to go into a diet phase. And that's why I started talking to you about it in the office a little bit. As I said, like, you know, a lot of times, and I would actually love your opinion on this because you brought up tracking earlier too. And I think that a lot of times people will, like, I, I'm cautious about saying this because I don't want it to sound like overly restrictive or like too gung ho. But I do believe that there's a lot of times where it makes sense, like, when you're going to do it, just do it. Like, 
in the case of somebody losing 10 to 20 pounds versus somebody losing 80 pounds in your case, it is a little bit different because 80 pounds is going to take longer. So you got to be in it for longer. So you got to think of a good strategy that's going to allow you to do it longer. But in her case, it's 15 pounds maybe, right? And so like what I told her is, if you're going to jump into this, do it 100%. All the little things that are like 1% benefits, like whether you're getting meticulous about your sleep or your water or you're measuring properly or you're not eating out, like it's a short period of time. The reason 75 hard works so well is because it's a short period of time. It's very intense and there's a lot of boxes to check off. You got to take a progress picture all the time. You got to do measurements all the time. You got to hit all these targets. It's a lot of accountability. It's very intense and you're busy checking boxes and doing the work and it creates a lot of discipline. Is that sustainable forever? No. But what are we after right now? We're after the result, not sustainability. So like I told her, because it's going to be like a hundred day thing for her and we're not going like full 75 hard on it, but at day 75 of a hundred, now we'll start talking about the reverse diet and the sustainability of it. What we're going to do right now is to get you the result that you've been dying to get, that we've been preparing you to start. And we're going to do something that isn't sustainable for you year round for the next however many years. You know, it's, it's something that we're going to dive into. We're going to go hard. We're going to get the result. And that's what we're doing right now. We're not trying to create sustainability. And so for you, cause you're stepping into this, I'm curious what your guys' approach this time. Cause it sounded like you kind of hit another one of those moments where you're like, okay, I've been effing off for, for a little bit. I'm ready to lock in. Let's go. Let's just get this done. Let's do the work. Something clicked in your mind, obviously. Like what was that click? And then what is different this time? Um, I, I think really what it is, is that, so like I, I have a goal obviously to lose a hundred pounds. And for those who've heard me on this podcast before, I'm going to get a dirt bike and I'm, I want to go race and never raced before. I've, I grew up riding dirt bikes as a kid. But to me, like, I think one, now that I'm like Supercross's season just kicked off last weekend. So I'm now traveling back with the boys, if you will, and going to all these things. And I'm like, damn, I want to do this. And, and so I, I want it more. I see the hard work that they put in and I'm like, I can do this too in my way, on my level, in my experience, in my ability. And I know, I know what to do. And I think one, like, I do have a chip on my shoulder. I I do have a little bit of a little bit. I shouldn't say a little bit. I have a lot of voices in my head of like people who've, who've doubted me over the oh, yeah. years. I've, I've done all these different diets and coaches and all these different things, but I, basically I've had the success and then I got to about 85 pounds and then I just kind of petered out for the last two to three months. But the cool part about it is though that I've also stayed there, which I've never, ever, ever done that. I've always just right back the other direction again. Right. So, but the reason I was able to stay there is because even though I may have not tracked a hundred percent accurately, accurately or um, at all during the holidays, because of all the tracking that I had put in, I had built these habits. I had built the eye test, I call it, of like, that's what a portion size is. Like, right. okay, so that might not be 32 grams of peanut butter to 190 calories. It might be 42, but at least it's not two giant table, like, right. is it a tablespoon that's yeah. like you run Clean. the knife at clock? Yeah. Or, is it, or is it a big glob on a tablespoon that's actually like four tablespoons? Right. So it's just like little things like that. But, to me, the the tracking, yeah, it was super overwhelming. I think for like the first three weeks of actually coaching with you guys, I didn't even know all the stuff that was available, like all the resources and tools I had available. And then I kept getting poked like, hey, did you fill this out? Hey, did you check that out? And I was like, Jesus, how much stuff is there in this thing? 
We have something for everything. <laughs> but the but the funny thing is now it's just so routine. And now when you talk about triggers, like something that's so random, this is a tangent, but now that I'm going through this journey, like I take a lot of pride in this. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's really cool. You know, I work out too. And I'm like, great. And they're like, yeah, you know, I should probably do. I'm like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I really don't. You do it for you. Don't do it for me. Don't yeah. do it because you're trying to compare yourself to me. If I'm inspiring you, great. I'll high five you. I'll encourage you. Go to the gym. If you want to work out with me, let's do it. Yeah. But don't do this because you feel guilty that I'm taking control of my life and you're in this area because then you're going to start pissing me off in other ways. Well, that's them subconsciously putting their guilt onto you because they feel guilty for themselves that they're right. not working on themselves properly or fully committing. They see you fully commit. It brings out insecurity and they place that guilt on you. But right? I had, Yeah. I had this whole like, so I, I matched up with this chick on hinge and, and we were like getting ready to go on a date. And she's like, yeah, I, I have a trainer. And, and she's like, I work out, you know, at this LA fitness with this trainer and, and, but maybe I can cancel that and we can go out this night. And I said, no, absolutely not. You come first for you. We can figure out another yeah, time to go out. Love and, that. and then she's like, well, she's like, yeah, you know, I weigh myself once a week. And I, <laughs> I just went, can I be honest? I go, this, I'm, I'm, I was like, this is dangerous territory, but that's BS. I weigh myself every day. She's like, how do you do it? And I was like, because I don't take, I don't take the fluctuations and go, oh my God, I gained five pounds today. Or, oh my God, I dropped nine pounds today. Well, let me ask you this. At first, was that easy for you to do? Stepping on the scale every single day? Or were you at least taken back? Because we get a lot of people that are like, you want us to do what? I, it was, it was weird to me in the beginning because let's call it weight loss culture, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've always been told like, yeah, don't weigh yourself every every day because it's a discouragement. But the, the shift there was, but if you weigh yourself every day, then we take the weekly average and that's what your weight is. Yeah. So also when it comes to me getting this dirt bike, it's not when I lose a hundred pounds and I hit it and ding, 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 and confetti is going to go off. It's, I have to hold that weight and I have yeah. to stay there and I have to be under that for weeks and and that that consistency has to show up. It's not just like, hey, yay, I yeah. did it. The one of the most difficult parts about s achieving success in anything is the responsibility of maintaining that success once you reach it, right? And I think that even like talking on the scale aspect, it's the whole. It sounds cheesy at this point because there's a book about it, but the obstacle is the way, right? Uh, speaking of that same client I was on the phone with, one of her goals, and she's like subtly mentioned it, so I would bring it up every once in a while wants to take her progress picture in her bikini because, you know, as she's a mom, she's lost some weight, but she used to be an ex athlete and she's not that anymore. And so I was like, okay, like, so what are your, what are your primary goals that you want to hit in this, this sprint? I always called a sprint when it's like, we're going to a fat list phase or whatever. And she was, she kind of like, well, I was thinking about that, but you know, it's just, I don't know, like maybe it, soon I want to get to a place where I feel comfortable doing that. I'm like, okay, you're not going to get to the place that you feel comfortable doing that. The way you feel comfortable doing that is by doing that. And it's not going to feel comfortable until it just feels normal. So you go from uncomfortable to I don't care anymore, right? And so, and then even with your point on the scale and the fluctuations, knowledge precedes scarcity. You don't have fear of the scale anymore because you have you understand the scale. But the point is, is like, to me, I'm like, the fear of the bikini controls her. The fear of the scale might control that other girl you're talking about. Everybody, like there's people who have this uh, issue with money, right? Whatever the thing is, the only way to conquer it, the only way to overcome the fear is to literally face it and do it and walk right through it. 
Otherwise, it's always going to control you. You're putting it up on a pedestal and it's like this scary object and thing that is always going to be luring over you and taking control of your thoughts. My mind just went like four different directions there. The first one that's funny because you brought up money and it's been it's been something in my life that's been like, you know, over my, like weighing over my head. Mm-hmm. But I always associate, I associate money and I associate fat in kind of the same way or fat loss or whatever. So when you track, that's like you creating a budget in your finances. Yeah. And I asked you this one time, I said, do you think you could t- tell how successful people are financially based on how fit they are? And and we sort of got into it and you were like, what do you mean? I was like, well, because people, like when I track, I know exactly what I can allow myself to do. Yeah. And and then, it's, yeah, there's a fluctuation phase. Like I don't keep a real tight budget, but but if I if I have an idea of where things are headed or like what I'm eating versus what I'm expending, like I wear a Garmin and I like to look at my calories burned per day, whether how accurate it is or not. I use that and I go, okay, well, let's just burn a little bit more today. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm adjusting all this. So what's your answer to that? I don't know if I ever even answered you. Do you think so? I definitely think so. But there's another direction I'm going with this too. Everybody I know that's that I would consider really successful and look up to financially, they've made a lot of money and they've also lost a lot of money. Oh, yeah. When I look at myself from a fat loss perspective, I've gained a lot of weight. I've lost a lot of weight. I've gained a lot of weight. I've lost a lot of weight. So what's the difference this go round? This go round, I'm more meticulous about the energy I put into it. I'm more meticulous the way I track it. I have the right people around me for accountability. I'm not just like eating useless calories all the time. Like I do occasionally just like, Sometimes we make that stupid purchase that come home with something that someone's like, why'd you come home with that? That's yeah. ridiculous. You're like, I don't know. I just kind of wanted it. Just like sometimes I kind of want to mix and match the ranch Pringle with the pizza Pringle. Like <laughs> it's pretty good, but, but I, there, there's, so, so I do think there's a correlation sometimes between that, but also I would say from a job perspective in my life personally and why I feel like I'm, I'm, getting a lot of these opportunities is because of the way I, I carry myself in my appearance. Absolutely. Like just simple things like my posture and stuff like that. Like I can guarantee you, we could, we could go back to job interviews I've had. We could go to jobs I've applied for. And even a former boss of mine has, has told me this. He's like, yeah, there's definitely times you've been turned down because of the way you look, because of the way you carry yourself and because you're overweight. And he goes, I understand we live in this world that's soft and equal opportunity employer and blah, 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 blah. But there's it's a, not pers- life. but there's a perception that big people are lazy. And I know a lot of people who are overweight. There are some of the hardest fucking workers on the planet, but it's a perception. Yeah. Perception's reality. Yeah. And you can't, that's, that's human. That's the way the human brain works. Yeah part of the reason why trainers need to be fit honestly is because whether you think so or not as the trainer whether you are super smart or not it doesn't matter the perception of an individual who's looking for guidance and somebody to trust is going to conquer that i mean i was like it humored me that that post that you made got so many people you know riled up because because to me 
the reason I hired you guys is because you guys hold yourself to a higher standard than I was able to hold myself at the time. Yeah. And, and the other part about it too is like, it's not, to me, it's not just trainers. I don't understand why first responders, I don't understand why people in the medical field um, are also not fit. Like the, there's a guy I work out with at the gym who's a retired police officer and he's just super jacked. And he was telling me the other day, he's like, yeah, we had to, when I was a cop back in the day, he's like, we had to go through all this physical training, do all these things. Like we had to go to the gym. We had to work out. We had to do all this stuff. And then eventually people got soft and they were like, yeah, um, we don't really want to do that. And then you got all these jokes about donuts. And I mean, Mm -hmm. those have been there since I was a kid, but now, now you got these people that are supposed to keep you safe. Also, this isn't a thing against cops, by the way, but just like people that are supposed to keep you safe, people that are protect and serve, but their physical ability is just not there. Yeah. And I even heard this on some other podcast the other day about even the military's gone soft in this. <laughs> well, and, and cops that get to that place, like, and look, I got cops in my family. I support the place. I'm all about it. You're putting your own life at risk on yeah, a day to day basis. And then when you're overweight or out of shape, you're 10Xing your your life at risk literally so like put my judgment aside do it for yourself so you can stay alive and and like be on top of your shit because you do you have a dangerous career especially in today's world but to the point of being fit and successful i agree with you i think there is a correlation does it mean that every single person who's wealthy and successful financially is super fit no of course not however I think that it goes back to those standards, right? And there's, there's standards and there's practices and there's also like there's governing principles in, in, on the planet, right? So for those listening, if you actually break down what a principle means in defining it from the lens of personal development, it's an unchangeable fact. It is like gravity, right? Gravity is a principle. You're not going to change it unless you're like working in area 51. If you've watched Bob Lazar, it's a great documentary on alien stuff. But like point is if you invest something grows, right? If you consistently practice something, you build maturity with that thing. So you, Brandon, have weight loss maturity now. That's why this time's a little bit easier, right? Because you've lost weight and gained weight. I actually said this in my post, uh, the picture of me uh, getting baptized and talking about 2023 and how it was, a r- it was a tough year and everything. I said in there, this year, I made more money than I've ever made in a single year. I also lost more money than I've ever lost in my life. (laughs) Literally. Why? Because as you create maturity in anything, you have to practice. You have to take the shot. You have to swing the bat, however you want to, you know, shoot the gun, whatever, fire the bullets. (laughs) You're going to lose. You're going to miss the target. You're going to, you know what I mean? You're going to miss some shots. That's just part of it. So for you, it's like you have to try weight loss and then you have to fuck it up a few times in order to master it and build maturity with it so that it grows in you as a principle and and everything. And you understand because you won't understand the principles of weight loss and how things work until you do it over and over again. And then you can look at the past and go, okay, like when it worked, when it didn't, all these different situations throughout my weight loss journey, what, what are the commonalities here? What are the things that stuck that, that always helped me get through it? Those are the principles, right? For, for money, what is one of the principles? Well, investing. That is one of the key principles. You can't make money unless you invest money, whether that's investing money in coaching, whether it's investing money in stocks or you pour into marketing at money, you have to pay to make money, plain and simple, right? So individuals who make a lot of money are probably pretty familiar with investing a lot of money. Well, if they see that the more they invest, the more they make, 
they can look at their body and go, the more I invest, the healthier I get, the fitter I get, right? In their relationships, most of them, not everybody, but most people who have a really good relationship, I wasn't saying not everybody, meaning like not all successful people have great relationships, but those who have great relationships learn this as well. Like I remember struggling even in my own relationship because my own stubborn way would be like, well, I know we we could be better if we do this, but I'm not going to do it if she's not going to do it. You know, and you want the other person to like take action with you or do it first and then I'll reciprocate it. That's not how it fucking works. Whether you're the man, the woman, the wife, husband, it doesn't matter. You have to be the first one to do everything in every situation. That's a principle. You start and somebody else will follow suit. Like if you want to lead by example, you have to lead. You can't just expect an example to occur. So point being is I think that there's definitely a, a tie. Most very successful financial, financially um, successful people, they tend to be fit because I think that the principles that make you successful in business are the same principles that make you successful with fitness. And part of that is that maturity aspect. You got to do the thing over and over and over again. You got to fail a few times and eventually you get really good at it and you're able to keep the things that work to keep your body sustaining the weight that you lost, essentially. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I I was um, watching this, um, I think it was a YouTube video, but yeah, it's, it's a YouTube video of Brandon Simonek, who's a, a really incredible free ride mountain biker. And he's like, He's like, yeah, I, he's like an anomaly. Like everybody's like, oh my God, he's, he's like the most incredible guy. Run one Red Bull Rampage many, many times, like has these super sick video parts. And he's like, yeah, really? I just saw my brother riding cross country, which is like full Lycra spandex, you know, on knobby tires and stuff. And he's like, I just wanted to ride my bike. And then I saw this other thing and I was like, oh, this is cool. I want to do this. And then he eventually was like, man, you can do like flips and spins on a bike. That's pretty cool. Maybe I'll try that. And he'd crash and crash and crash and crash. And everybody thinks to this day, he's like, oh, you have like this, you know, just raw natural talent. He's like, no, I was terrible at this. He's like, but I wanted it so bad. I just kept trying and trying and trying. And he goes, what people don't understand is because I, he's like, I don't put all the like times I try a trick or all the times I put an effort to something. He's like, I don't post all that. I post when I'm successful in it. And then people don't really see this, but what people don't know about me, about Brandon Simonek is that he had to learn all that progression and it didn't come easy. So if he just was like, Oh, this sucks. Like, I don't think I can do this or this is hard. He wouldn't be the successful free ride mountain biker that he is now. And he wouldn't be you know, world renowned in the mountain bike space. And he's like, but I don't even do it for that. I do it because it's fun for me and it's what I enjoy. And I want to continue to push myself. And then he like maxed out on this kind of progression of how far he felt comfortable pushing the sport. And he does a lot of incredible things now. And he was like, he's like, I love that drive though. He's like, so what's the next thing? And he's like, maybe I'll pick up rally racing. And now he's a super successful rally guy that just became a factory driver for Subaru. It's crazy. And all of this, just because he just has this drive of willing to like wanting to put in the work, willing to learn and yeah. not afraid to make mistakes. It's like Travis Pastrana, dude, like yeah. how many things he's done, different things. It's if you, if you're listening to this and, and you're not a Joe Rogan fan, just go listen to this one episode. It's one of the episodes with Kevin Hart. And he basically is just talking about why not, 
right? And I loved it because it, it literally goes on to say like, there's all these things we can do. Why not try? Why not go for it? You know what I mean? Like, why not just go that one extra mile? Why not try a little bit harder? If we only have two options, try or don't, weigh out the pros and cons. I mean, ultimately the con of trying is failure, but the con of not trying is never progressing. It's never knowing what you're capable of, never creating more self-belief. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of get stuck there. This doesn't make sense to me. Guys like that inspire the hell out of me. I, I have a guy, um, shout out to Jeff, one of my clients. I told you about him actually. The guy that was like, he watched my physique competition stuff and he was like, I want to do a physique show. Like it inspired me to be, you know, and I'm like, oh, cool. Like, like why? What's the, he's like, I have Parkinson's disease. I want to show other guys who have Parkinson's that they can do stuff like this too, if they want to. And I was like, dude, like that is crazy, but it's so fucking cool. Cause he's not going to allow that to limit him. He's crushing it right now. He's absolutely crushing it with me. I think, yeah, I think what the, like, I'm so blessed and lucky to be around professional athletes on the weekends and it's gotta be a wild atmosphere to be around. It is, but what people don't understand is like they just see the professional athlete in the moment of that time or of this weekend or whatever, right? So they see the successes that they have now as a professional athlete. When you are walking around the pits and you actually start having conversations with these guys, like they're just normal people like you and I. Like they just, they're a lot of them come from really humble backgrounds. A lot of them are just your average blue collar American worker. There's nothing entirely special about them and, but they just put in the work and, and they're really driven. And there's two brothers right now, the Lawrence brothers, and they're from Australia and they're just crushing the professional supercross and motocross scene. And they sold everything in Australia, moved to Europe. They were living above a pastry shop, eating like day old pastries from this pastry shop and in just like tuna sandwiches just to survive to chase this dream because the dad felt like the kids had something and now the kids are crushing it. Like one of them had his bonuses were so massive that he bought a Bentley over the summer and he's only like 19 years old and people just see the money. They just see that, but they don't understand the struggles and the hardships and all the stuff they had to do to get there. And at the end of the day, like the reason I feel so lucky and blessed to be around all these people is because they're no different than me. Yeah. So why can't I do this? Exactly. And to, to Kevin Hart, I've, I've heard his podcast. I've heard his methodology about like, why can't I be this comedian that sells out Madison square garden? Yeah. Like nobody's done it. Why can't I be the first? Yeah. And, and now people look at him and they're like, Oh, Kevin Hart, you're so lucky. You got all this yeah. stuff. And it's like, when you hear his story, you're like, dude was one decision away from never, ever having. That. Yeah. What is that saying? Uh, luck is the, the, um, the product of, uh, it's like opportunity and action colliding or something like that. But it's basically like you keep trying harder, you take action repetitively and then the right timing or the right opportunity, because you never stopped, you end up hitting the right time. Like people always say, it's all about timing. Well, the only people that strike out on the right time is when like you, or I guess you'd say hit a home run, not strike out. Cause that's bad. But you, you just repetitively take action until you happen to just take action at the right time. Cause the right time is coming. Eventually you just never know when it's going to be. That's why they always say too, like the best time to start or the best time to grow a tree is today. Like that old Chinese proverb, it's just basically like the best time to start anything is right now. Like you just keep going. 
we, we got to wrap up here soon. Cause I have a meeting after this. I, we're going to have to do a part two cause we could probably keep going on this, but I pulled something up cause I didn't know. I was trying to think of what it was called. Have you ever read the book of Ephesians? I think is how you say it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the one. I can't remember what King it's about, but I read that this morning and usually I read like a section. I read the whole thing because I was like, I couldn't stop cause it was like cliffhanger after cliffhanger. And it's basically like, I became the most powerful king. And then I realized that it didn't really matter. Like there's no, like there's no point in life. And then I became the wisest person. And then I realized that it just doesn't matter. And so there was no point in life, but then I saw people working hard and I figured that's the point. So I'm just going to work hard and still didn't like, he basically went on and on and on. He was like, I planted the biggest garden. Then I had the most slaves and then I had the biggest palace. And then I had this. And it was just like, he kept doing these things to realize that there's no point in life. And I was like, this is depressing. Like, when is it like going to come lesson? And at the end of it, it kind of talks about, at least how I interpreted it was what we're talking about here. And that's the only reason I usually, I've never really like brought up a story from the Bible on the podcast, but the thing that clicked with me is like, the point of life is to try harder. The point of life is to give it a shot. The point of life is to progress because as he said, he was like, you can make all the money in the world, but when you die, that money's gone. I mean, literally, if you actually look into it, the the death tax is like 30 some percent. So they're going to take 30% of my fucking money no matter what. So if I drop dead, 30% of it is gone. It doesn't matter how much I want to leave for my daughter because she's going to pay 30% tax on all that stuff. Right? Land is one of the only things you can't. So if you really want to be smart and pass something down, get a bunch of land. But like the point is, is money's, you're not going to bury yourself with money, you know? And honestly, legacy is really the only thing that lasts, the memory of you. And he talks about this too. Wise people are remembered for a long period of time by those who they helped and those who they served in, in the Bible, it just says fools are not remembered because they don't do anything for anybody. They're not serving anybody. So it's like, if we can live a life serving others and trying harder, like that's the only way to grow and be better. You know what I mean? Like I've seen this reflect in my life in so many ways to where something goes wrong. I'm in a bad mood. Something's not like happening my way, something. And like all of my being wants to just like tell the next person who says something to me to fuck off. Cause I'm like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Like I'm just in a bad mood. And there's been literal times. Like I can think of people who I don't know that I was rude to. And then I turn around like, I'm sorry. Like, cause this is such a short time on earth. Like if we really think about it, life is pretty damn short and we really only have this one opportunity to try a bunch of stuff, to try a little bit harder, to say that we gave it our all to take action, right? Money comes and goes. I learned that this year, like honestly, people come and go. And I don't mean that as in people like die. I mean that like you're going to have friends. And then like, if you grow, as you grow up, you lose friends, you know, like things happen. The only thing is that's permanent is what you feel inside, the regrets you have or don't have knowing you tried harder, your conscious awareness of who you are as a person, your core values, your principles, your morals. Like if you think of all the things that will go with you till the day you die, it's typically your morals, your values, your memories, and your relationships. So if you can pour more into taking action, having great experiences, working harder, serving others, giving back, building relationships, having a good standard that you live by, which you talked about, like you wanted to hire people that have a high standard for living. Like those are the things that matter. I was pulling out of the driveway yesterday, I dropped my daughter off at school because my truck was in the shop, like I was telling you, and I was driving my wife's car. So I took her to school so I can come to work afterwards. And we pulled out and she was like, stop. And I like stopped the car and she points a couple houses down and there was garbage on the ground because the wind blew the recycling over and there was cardboard in their yard, not my yard. She was like, you got to go pick it up, dad. 
And I was like, oh, because I didn't want to. It was cold. I'm like looking at it. And she was like, that's what good people do. Remember? I'm like, you're right. So I got out. We were almost late to school, honestly. But I was like, I have to because she's waiting for me to act on this moment to serve somebody else in front of her. You know what I mean? But again, that's a core value of mine. It's a standard I live by. Anyway, we're wrapping up now. But the point of all that is just to say like, there's, I would say, I don't know the meaning of life. I'm not a philosopher, but I would say it's pretty small. Like there's not like a whole bunch of different meanings to life. What avenue you accomplish this in is up to you. But I think the true meaning of life is to live it at your greatest potential personally. You know what I mean? And at the, and that's why my trigger is when people don't do that. And so as you listen to this, think about every area you're not taking action. Like I'm talking to somebody on the podcast right now has literally changed his life entirely and everything keeps spiraling in the right direction for him because he changes life physically. I'm not just saying that because I'm a trainer. I'm saying that because the reason I became a trainer is because when I got in shape, my life changed. So then I became a trainer because I wanted other people to experience that literally. So anyway, we got to wrap up because I could just keep going on, but this is a great podcast, man. We're going to have you back on and talk more about this because we didn't touch on two of the topics that we were going to. That's usually how our conversation is. Uh, I'm going to link Brandon's Instagram in the show notes so you guys can follow him, uh, his content stuff as well as mine. Tag us in your story if you liked the episode. Leave us a five-star rating review. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time.